Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Why would the energy secretary have to check with China before taking oil out of the, out of the strategic reserve? I really thought I could get that out in one sentence. Dang it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the, that's the number. That is the number. Uh, also, uh, Twitter at Tony Katz, and uh, you can deal with the silly people. Yes, DeSantis has to capitalize, or his path is very, very rough. Can anything happen? Of course anything can happen. said that a billion times. But if someone really overtakes him for second place, it's hard to get yourself back. Are we going to pretend that we don't live in the real world? Good Lord. Grow up. That's all I ask. I just ask for people to be rational. Of course DeSantis needs to. Make a move now while Trump is having these issues. And he had a very good week, which is what I was just talking about. And I discussed him being up in, in, in Iowa in, in the polls. Let's see if he can actually make that grow and happen. Everything I just said, happy to repeat for some people who don't listen. Uh, Jennifer Granholm is listening to the Chinese. As the story is reported from the Washington Free Beacon, the Biden administration held talks with the China National Energy Administration chairman days before the U.S. moved to release oil from the Strategic Reserve. The calendars from the Energy Department, obtained by Fox, say that the Energy Secretary, the former governor of Michigan, Jennifer Granholm, spoke with uh, the minister from China one-on-one in multiple meetings. These meetings were not known to the public. November 19th and November 21st, Days prior to the U.S. announcing they would release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. This is November 19th and 21st of 2021. So now people are asking, were you checking with China before you released uh, oil? There's a question to be asked. Now, not everything is conspiracy. Not everything is 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 a fraud. Although anybody who has heard uh, Jennifer Granholm knows she knows nothing about energy and energy security, uh, she would gladly tell you you can never have a, a you know a barrel of oil again. It's a weird thing to have a couple of meetings with China and then you're you're releasing. Admittedly, that's weird. I'd ask questions about this. I think the bigger questions are, why are we not more focused on our own energy independence? Nope, wait, not energy independence, energy security. Trump used to refer to it as energy dominance. And I can appreciate that. I like security because it's about us, not about others. And if we are secure, others will have to deal with the fact that they may not be able to sell to us and that has an effect on them, which betters us. There's a whole conversation about how we have to economically strangle China by pushing more and more companies to move production 
out of China. One of the latest things uh, from Apple, the iPhone 15 is going to launch mid-September. The iPhone 14 had issues because of COVID and production. So what did Apple learn from that? They may need to move production out of China. Good. More and more people need to move production out of China. The more production is moved out of China, the better it is for us. You don't have to engage a war with bullets. What are you, crazy? Do it with dollars. China pushes the idea of forcing us to spend, and then they engage in spending in places like African nations, like South America, pushing for soybean manufacturing, buying up airports, which means controlling whole countries so they can get rare earth minerals, and they don't have to rely on U.S. for exports of things like soybeans, which is how they feed their hogs, which is so much of of their, their food supply and other things. So when you take production away from them, what you're doing is you're taking away those dollars. And they are right now in a desperate need for dollars as their population gets older and older and older. They have less and less people to do the work. So that's another reason to move things away. And there's a reason to, you know, be like, oh, well, you know, I still have the workers for the future. We need to plan for the future. Strangle them in this economics as their population is scheduled to go down. I want to see more of this, not less, because China needs to be broken. But China, they're going to continue to buy the energy from from Russia. They're going to continue to open coal-fired plants. So why in the world are we having a conversation with them at all about energy? They're never going to change. They're not going to do anything different. They're not. They're not going to do anything different. So why... We have to work around them and then see if they'll join in because it's, they, they have no choice. You can't get them to do anything now. You have to apply massive pressure that can't be done by kowtowing. This brings us to the former health director for Governor Andrew Cuomo. Ah, oh, what a guy. The guy who had to resign because of the way New York handled COVID-19. They told us that Andrew Cuomo was a genius. They told us that Andrew Cuomo was uh, the great hope, and he, he was where we were getting the real information from because we couldn't trust that evil Donald Trump. Lied about nursing home deaths. Lied about his own skill set. Lied to the people of New York. People died. He didn't care. He was selling books for millions when he wasn't making ridiculous posters about mountains. The health director was a Dr. Howard Zucker. Howard Zucker has now been hired by the CDC. The guy who helped to lead New York astray the guy who had to resign because of his failures. That's the guy that the CDC hired. Manipulated data. He gets hired as the deputy director for global health. 
I should, I should, I should take that back. He wasn't just hired. He was hired in January. These people think Trump is corrupt? Oh, come now. This is the corruption. This is nuts. And it's important to note that the left will always protect themselves. Always, 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 always. Their people, they could do no wrong. My God, I'm surprised Anthony Weiner doesn't have a job in the Biden administration. Yes, yes, I, I actually said Weiner on radio. I don't know. You could send your emails. I, I, I get Tony at TonyCats.com. Feel free. Feel free. Did you hear about the pilot? I know I, I was about to say, speaking of Weiner's. That was I. Okay, here, here's the story. The story is nuts. There is a pilot from Lustanza. And the pilot was, I, I guess, upset that he was being diverted. He had to, he had to, uh, he had to be diverted to a different airport. So he was pretty angry about it. So what does he do? He flies the plane. I, I, this is this is Fox News reporting it. He flies the plane in a 15-mile-long pattern in the shape of um, Anthony Weiner. All right, not the Anthony part. This is the story. Look, I don't know if it's the end of days, but, you know, what are you going to do? And if you look at the um, – if you look at the radar – and you look how he flied, how he flew. Uh, yep, yep. That's that's what happened. That's what happened uh, right there. Uh, the airline is blaming it on wind shear. Most people just blame it on too much beer. No, too soon, too soon. Okay, fine. One more story for you. I like to get through a lot of things because sometimes you know we get hung up on stuff. There's a lot going on. There is, according to Daily Caller, the U.S. State Department awarding $42,000 to something called the Shouten Education Consulting Firm. Shouten Education Consulting was given these funds to set up DEI training workshops to the U.S. consulate in China. The company is Chinese, of course, run by the communists. The United States, through the State Department, paid $42,780 to a Chinese company to teach the American consulate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Fire everybody. This is the kind of stuff that makes people crazy. This is the kind of obscenity. First, never mind the flat-out bigotry of DEI. And I've got stories I'll get into this week. More updates on the Canadian principal who committed suicide over this. Awful. Why would, why would, why would we pay a Chinese company for this? Who thought this was a good idea? And how is this not top story of why we need to drain the swamp? You think anybody who was involved in this in the State Department deserves a job?
You're out of your mind if you think these people deserve a job. Don't let them stay in their place of business. They got to go. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Keep it here. It's me. told David Beck his introduction is longer than my speech. Elaine and I are really excited to be back at Fancy Farm on behalf of the strongest Republican team we've ever run in our state. For those of you who keep count, this is my 28th Fancy Farm. My 28th Fancy Farm. I want to... God, that's rough. That is Mitch McConnell, the senator from Kentucky, the Senate Minority Leader, at an event in Kentucky, Fancy Farm Kentucky is where he's at, getting booed out of his head. Ditch Mitch, lost our senator, fire him. It's It goes on, and I'll, here, I'll just find another spot in it. Listen. Defenders walk free and get tough on crime. They're chanting, retire, retire, retire. I'm glad Governor Bashir finally decided to come to Fancy Farm. It's been the first Saturday in August for 143 years. That's rough. That is rough. Uh, uh, yes, I believe Mitch needs to be replaced. I think the, the stare into nothingness. Uh, This can't be risked. We have a problem with people who are too old running the country. Yes, there's such a thing. It's like the argument, don't tell me, well, they're, they're, they're really adept for 81. No, no, no. I don't want really adept for 81. It means you're not adept. I'm not angry. I'm just being factual. Yes, he has to go, and so does Diane Feinstein, and so does John Fetterman. And if you say to me, well, I'm not going to get rid of him if, if they keep these other people there, look, uh, it's with Kentucky. Never mind Andy Bashir, the governor. You can vote for more Republicans there. It's okay. Nominate another Republican, run against him, get the dollars, uh, take him out in a primary, go win a general, knock yourself out. That's how these things are done. Of course there's a risk. The other side of it is you keep a guy there who's not prepared to be there this is a conversation about standards and as you heard me say and i will get more into um there are a lot of people in the country without them certainly as we watch these indictments as we've discussed them no standards regarding the constitution none of that matters i I guess except of course it matters and it matters greatly having a standard is is Important. It's, it's like, it's like uh, limits. It's like boundaries. Boundaries do not limit. Boundaries actually set one free because you know what the rules are. And you know how to act and you know how to operate. You know how to share and you know how to engage. It's when you don't have those boundaries. Like, for example, what pronoun do I use? 
that you get chaos, that things become hectic, that become problematic. You don't know how to act. You don't know how to respond. That's when destruction takes place. That's when the society unravels. And one should be opposed to that unraveling. When you set a standard for yourself, that standard is, is how you act and how you want to be treated, how you want to treat others, how you portray that. This brings us to a show from FX called The Bear, which if you haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, not with the kids. There's a lot of four-letter words. There's an outrageous amount of four-letter words. Uh, I, I see it on Hulu. That's where I get it. They will tell you that The Bear is a show about a restaurant and a, and a guy uh, named Carmen, Carmi, who uh, is a chef and now opens a restaurant and had a brother who he had a difficult relationship with. And the show is about standards and about how applying them enrich your soul. Now, maybe that's not how the creator of the show visualized it. I can tell you after binge watching it, two episodes to go, by the way, um, it is what I take from it, and I find it to be absolutely glorious. Oh, there are plot holes. Oh, there are issues. But a story of men and women who find themselves and find their capabilities by allowing themselves to adhere to a standard, well, it's, it, it, it's, it's almost revolutionary in 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 certainly in television this isn't about the destruction of the soul like maybe you might get from euphoria or 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 pick your pick your show or pick your you know uh video on tiktok or what have you it's about finding your soul this is about seeing what people have looked like at the bottom and how they found their way and they found their way by saying, wait a second, I can do if I force myself to be here. Here is where the floor is, and I'm below the floor. I got to get to the floor. That's the only way to have a life, only way to have anything interesting, only way to feel good about oneself. How you present yourself, how you dress. You know, it has to do with restaurants, putting on that chef's coat, how you address the other chefs. Everybody's chef. Yes, chef. Absolutely, chef. Thank you, chef. Here you go, chef. Why? Because they're not all chefs. It's about a respect. It is about that mattering. You're not just somebody who shows up nine to five. You're somebody who is an integral part of what it is we're creating. And I want you to be here. And I want to show you that respect so I will get the respect. It is, as far as uh, concepts go, in terms of its delivery, some of the best stuff I've ever witnessed. On a writing side, I'm going to go back and view it again. Sopranos, The Wire... That's how much this stuff cuts. Breaking Bad, that's how much this show delivers. 
standards are good. And I do love people who try and raise them. This is Tony Katz today. Simple realignment in college sports where the Big Ten is going to grow and the Pac-12 is going to fall apart and the Big 12 could just very well get massive. Just a realignment. Or is there something more sinister at play? Or is there something more problematic at play for the actual gameplay? Because, of course, these universities, these colleges joining these conferences are about the money and they're about football. What exactly is happening to college sports? And is this destruction of the Pac-12 just the start of something that maybe we don't want? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. JMV joins us right now. He is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5107.5, the fan. And first, let's start with what's happening here. You've got Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten. You've got Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah going with Colorado for the Big 12, leaving Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State as the Pac-12, correct? Yeah, the little Pac-4 is what we're talking about right there. Little Pac-4. Right, right. It's like it's like when you got, you know, a six-pack in your in your abs, but you're missing two. It's like yeah. uh like a four-pack right there. What caused this breakup of the Pac-12? All money, all money. The money that the Big Ten bringing to the table on this, too, with the Big Ten Network. Tony, you know, the Big Ten Network has uh, certainly been uh, throughout cable-provided country out west for a while, and now people out west with USC and UCLA uh, will have uh, an interest in wanting to actually watch it. I think it's been there for a while with cable providers, with you know, television providers, satellite-wise and such. And now, out west, you're going to have a reason out there to put money in, advertising money as well. And obviously, eyeballs out west are going to be on it. And um, what you're doing and what you're seeing now in the the Pac-12 with the latest Oregon and Washington is you want to make sure if you're in a dissolving conference like that that you have a seat at somebody's table. Um, and in this case, the Big Ten's pretty big seat, so Oregon and Washington jumped on that. You mentioned those previous Pac-12 schools that jumped to the Big 12. And then we'll see what's of the remaining four. What do you got? Stout, or Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State. And There's been conversation about the Mountain West, but it's weird because when you look at Cal and Stanford out West, and I'm not suggesting this factors in at all because we are talking about academics, Tony, and not sports and money right here. But the academics of Cal and Stanford is much different, obviously, than that, for example, of Boise State. So that's that's a little bit awkward, and we'll see what happens. Is there going to be an effect on the ACC? I mean, we've heard kind of conversations about Florida State in the past. We'll see if this ultimately has a profound effect on what Notre Dame decides to do. But you want to make sure you have a seat at the big money future conference table and and that's what they did in Oregon and Washington and this is where it doesn't make any sense how is it possible that the Pac-12 that has some solid schools and some solid programs some solid rivalries 
How was that not big money? I know that they had the television contract coming up. Why? What was going on with that contract? That's where the money comes from. That made teams say, got to get out now while the getting's good. Well, evidently the Pac-12 conference network, much like the Big Ten network, uh, the Pac-12 didn't really take off. And I'll tell you what, Tony, I'll do you one further there. Think about the markets on the West Coast and the eyeballs in those markets. And we can make an argument. In Southern California, they're probably doing like, a garden variety of anything else other than watching sports, whether it's football, basketball, or whatever. But, I mean, think about the market eyeballs that you get in Southern California and L.A. and San Francisco and on up the Pacific Coast. That's amazing that you could not come up with something as the Pac-12 did not. But, you know, you see these schools saw that the Pac-12 was fading away, and certainly last week when you saw, or I should say a couple of weeks ago, when you saw Colorado end up bailing, for the Big 12, you knew something else was on the horizon. And certainly that next big step was Oregon and Washington, which, you know, gives you Oregon and, you know, Phil Knight of Nike. You get Nike money back type of school there in Washington. Has the entirety of the Pacific Northwest, I mean, really in the Seattle area right there. So the Big 10 will love it. Washington and Oregon will love it. And the Pac-12 is going to dissolve to, I guess, probably around nothing here relatively soon. Talking to JMV, he is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Uh, look, the the adding of these schools for the Big Ten, and where we we are a Big Ten, whether it's IU, whether whether it's it's Purdue, um, it's good for us. It creates great opportunity. It's bad for travel. It's certainly yeah. bad for for some of these teams, you know. But when people get the opportunity. When people get the opportunity to uh, see Ohio State uh, play in some of these major, major contests now uh, with with these West Coast teams, man, it's, it is. It's going to bring huge money uh, to it. Couldn't the Pac-12 have said, hey, how do we attract some of these schools from the other places? Like, for example, a, a, a Notre Dame. I mean, I'm not saying that that's in their interest. I'm using them as an example. Yeah, I think I think the Pac. I mean, ultimately, the Pac-12 could try to bring in and 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 try maybe to to cobble something together. For example, with the four remaining team schools that they have and somebody else. But I think it's more logical to see those four schools end up going someplace else, and us just see the the Pac-12 go away. But you're right; it's amazing when you think about it too. And you know, all these things we used to think about, right? The, the whole travel schedule of teams. Oh, that's way too far to go. You don't even think about that any longer. I mentioned a little bit earlier the academics of it. I don't know how much the ap- academics play a role here. Again, more than the money and more than the sports themselves. But that's, that's going to be the world. And I'll take you further down the road here, Tony. One of these days we're going to see two super conferences. And it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. You're going to have two super conferences with what used to be the so-called power fives and then others as well, but they're going to have two super conferences. So talk to me about how that affects sports. How does that affect, uh, I mean, sports betting is a huge part of this. How does that affect the competition and therefore the future of athletics? If we're going to utilize football as the example here, college supplies the NFL. So how does this all play out? No, Tony, you bring up a great point here, and, and let's just we'll keep it in the now or with what we know is going to happen in the Big Ten. 
you know, you can make the arguments to the negative, as we had talked about a little bit earlier, some of the things, you know, travel-wise, blah, blah, blah. But what it will do, if you want to look on the bright side of all this, it will give you week in and week out multi-reasons to tune in to the games. I mean, it will do that. It's just you you, you got to fall into that now. It will give you multi-reasons to tune into big games, which thus – may bring a, a, a more level of, of competition and, you know, uh, I guess by design, stuff that you want to watch other than skipping over if it's, you know, a bottom feeder and, and one of those good teams in a major conference like that. So I think the competition is going to be much larger. This is just like anything else we have gone through with all of this conference transformation in the past. It is going to take a major getting used to right here. But, you know, we've got some experience here in the past five to ten years of getting used to this. You take a look at going back to the Pac-12 and, and who's left, right, the, the, these four and, and where they yeah. can go and what they can do. You talk about the idea of having these super conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC. Why won't the Big 12, with who they're picking up, why won't they also be a super conference? Yeah, I just I, I can't see them soaking up others like we're going to see the Big Ten and the SEC one of these days. I mean, it, it truly is. You get the Big Ten and the SEC, and then honestly, you got everybody else. You know, Big 12, ACC. You know, after that, you kind of got everybody else, you know, further down the Big East. And in terms of basketball with the Big East, that's just what ultimately is going to happen. In my opinion, I mean, maybe it's not. And maybe it happened so far down the road that we don't even recognize it by the time it gets here. But I think one of these days, that's what you're going to be staring at. Because you got to think about it in terms of this, Tony. you got to continue to manufacture ways to make more money. Because that's where this goes every single time. You know, what you do is expedite the process of making more money. And I just think logically down the road, that's what you're going to have. And by the time that gets here, Tony, we'll have a different view and a different way that we're watching TV. I'm probably paying for a lot of these games in which we're watching at that point in time. So these are all, I think, ways and measures in which things will be different even further down the road. Not tomorrow, not next week, but certainly at some point. I think that happens with two super conferences. And just the way that we watch sports all together will drastically change. I'm talking about football, right? I've been focused on football in this conversation. But as you bring up, I mean, you brought up something very interesting. Uh, The Big East in in basketball is seen differently than the Big East in in football. Is this idea of what you you see in the Big Ten and the SEC, does – does basketball play in the same way that these will be the, the conferences and everything else will just be there? You know, it's funny about this, Tony. I, sometimes this again is my opinion. I don't think that the powers that be give a crap about basketball. I think they care about the money making ability that football brings to the table and that what more they can squeeze out of this particular berry in terms of financials from football. Now it's great, and we all love it. We certainly love the Final Four, and we love the uh, we love the uh, NCAA tournament and all of that. And who knows? I mean, once you get further down the line, they make some significant changes in the NCAA tournament because of all this too. But I mean, football is such the big deal. That's the money maker, and that is a number one on their list to make sure you squeeze as much money out of that as you possibly can. And that's what they really care about more so than anything else. 
Uh, before I, I, I let you go, because I know mm-hmm. that paying attention to U.S. women's soccer is very <laughs> much part of what it is that that you do. I have a tremendous number of people out there who will say that, oh, what a heartbreak for the U.S. women's national team. Losing by a millimeter in that penalty kick uh, from Sweden. My gosh, Megan Rapino missed her kick. And, and oh, just, oh, heartache. Uh, was this a heartache game or is this a, hey, this was a bad team. Why can't we just say they were a bad team? Well, no, no, no. They Offensively, they were a bad team. Uh, I think clock time was a 248 minutes of clock time in which they, they had not scored. They didn't put a goal uh, in the back of the net. So offensively, this was not a good team. It's kind of weird. I know you can't look at it in the past in terms of losing because there have been you know a huge amount of success with the women uh, on this national, international level, whatever. But it's kind of like – it's, it's almost like the Colts have been to us around here. I, I kind of look at that as soccer, both the men and the women, certainly more the men in this case. Is There's always a lot of talking, always a lot of chatter about what you know you are, what you can be, what you will be. And most of the time in watching this, and believe me, I can't root against Team USA. I don't care what's going on. I can never root against the Team USA. But in terms of getting to some of these big matches in soccer, it seems like more times than not, there is a high level of disappointment. And again, I know it hasn't been in the past with the women. It's been mostly in the men. But there's always all this high level of talking. This is where we are. But it's also accompanied by this massive disappointment. And really, in terms of the women, nothing nothing has been more massive uh, than, than what took place against Sweden early Sunday morning. I got to tell you, I think you're being way too nice. In what to what way? Um, this this. Uh, oh, well, I mean, I can tell you this that I can tell you that that Megan Rapino and uh, what's her name, Sophie Smith. They they get. I mean, if you want to put it in terms of real sports, we're going to tell it like it is. And those penalty kicks, they both gagged. I mean, they choked. They I absolutely mean, did. In, but in, the, in, a, in a dude sport, we'd be saying the same thing about that. There's no doubt. The the issue with with this team is that they weren't good. They were probably never good after they had uh, the, the, the breakups of other World Cup teams. And they never actually came together. They certainly did not play with any level of inspiration. They did not play like they cared. And in the moments where you're supposed to have engaged some self-reflection and dig deep, they just said to themselves, yeah, we're cool, and everybody thinks we're cool, and that's what matters. This hey, is Tony. an absolute level of fail, uh, uh, failure of nope. leadership of massive proportion. And I want an overhaul of not only the coaches, of every player. Well, that, that coach is not going to be back. But, Tony, we've been down this path before in basketball. I mean, that's, that's A, how we end up getting professionals. That's how the dream team in basketball was created. And then, B, once they lost with the so-called dream team and the NBA players, that's how this has been overhauled a couple of different times. You know, it's funny how the nations are world around the globe in our favorite sports end up catching up with us at some point and then you have to reevaluate too nice or not it's time for reflection or reevaluation which is exactly what you're talking about with the u.s women's team right now and again we've been down that path in the past in men's basketball certainly I'm talking about shovels, wheelbarrows, and brooms. That's what <laughs> you know, I'm talking it, about. It was, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, 2.48, I believe, was the, the clock time in which they didn't score. That's incredible. And I, I think basically all that in the scoring came against Vietnam. So that's absolutely incredible. So, yeah, they couldn't find any offense. And that's normally what happens in a huge embarrassment like this. You do get a huge overhaul, which is what's coming. Well, let, let's, let's see. 
Let's see what they do. JMV, I appreciate it from 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis, the voice of sports in Indiana. JMV, thank you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. And I know it's going to be a lovely day. So Harry's Razors, Razor Company, they um, decided to do an ad campaign with a woman who claims to be a man and is posing shirtless including the scars where she had her breast removed and is now involved in a partnership to sell Harry's razors. And they're donating the profits to Trevor's project. Trevor project. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Well, look, uh, Harry's, uh, this is uh, the ad campaign you want. This is how you think you're going to, Sell your razors. Uh, you think there's a market there? That's 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 great. It w- it won't be me. Um, and people are already sharing that it won't be them because the glorification of mutilation is not uh, a value. It's not. The glorification of mutilation is not a value. It's your company. You do what you want. But like all companies, you deal with the other side of the coin. I don't know. I don't know how many people were buying Harry's razors to begin with. I, I, I just, I don't know how the company does. I don't, I don't know their, their economics. What I do know is, you mean I can stand up to these people who think it's okay to mutilate others and uh, certainly mutilate children. I can stand up to that just by buying a different company? Okay. When you make the boycott easy, people do it. This is Tony Katz today.